0: Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@StevensCreekChurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Good afternoon. Welcome to Stevens Creek Church. It's been a great week, hasn't it? I'll tell you. It's been a great hot week. I mean, the temperature has been blazing, but that's why we live here, isn't it? We live here in the summer because we love hot summers. And um, bring it on, we can take it, right? Well, today we're continuing our series on the one-year Bible, um, and we're going to be focusing on today's reading. And today's reading comes from 2 Kings chapter 6. So let's just start with a question. When was the last time you lost something? Anybody lost anything recently? Maybe like lost glasses, pair of glasses. Anybody lost any sunglasses? Okay, maybe keys. Uh, A few weeks ago, I lost my watch. And so Patty and I, um, we remember the last time we saw it, but it's like we hadn't seen it in the house, you know, hadn't seen it in the car, uh, hadn't seen it in her purse, you know, because sometimes things end up in the purse, right? And so we don't know where it's at. On occasion, we all lose something, isn't it? Well, I mean... And we go through, uh, and we're just trying to figure it. where did we last see this thing? Well, a lot of times we go through life and um, we discover something's missing. Something's missing in our heart. Maybe you've lost your joy. Maybe you've lost your peace. Maybe you've lost clarity about uh, who, uh, your direction in life. Over the next few minutes, I just want you to open up your heart and um, say, God, speak to me because I believe that God is going to speak to us today. So let's get started. Our Bible reading today comes from the book of 2 Kings. And in the original Hebrew, 1 Kings and 2 Kings were actually combined together as one book. The English Bible divides those to make it a little bit easier to read. And this book focuses on the kings of Israel, starting from Saul down to to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. And it chronicles really the dynasties of of, uh, Israel. And one interesting thing we see here is that when you study the lives of the kings of Israel, when the kings were living in obedience to God and they were humble before the Lord, that you saw blessing and victory in the land. But when the kings were dis, uh, uh, living in disobedience and they worshipped other go- gods, what you saw was there's was famines that would break out, uh, enemies would come and invade, and droughts would come. When the king lived in obedience to the Lord, it was a type of Jesus Christ. And you see uh, the things of Christ in like David and Solomon and Hezekiah. But when they were living in disobedience, it would like the Antichrist, the evil one that is to come. These books are very fascinating because I believe that when we read the story of Israel, it speaks to us today. I believe it's your story and it's my story. So many times we look at at stories in the Old Testament and we say, well, you know, that's history. That's what's happened. But no, God has a message for you today. And I just want you to be open. Here's one more point. You know, when God wanted to speak to the nation, he didn't speak through the king. He used the king to to bring justice. He used the king to bring order. If God wanted to speak to the nation, God would raise up a prophet now, last week, we talked about the prophet Elijah and how God raised up Elijah to speak to the nation and to confront the king Ahab, the evil king, and his wife Jezebel. And, and Elijah was this rugged man, and, and he uh, was bold, and he confronted him. But today, we're going to look at his, his understudy, and his name is Elisha. Now, Elisha comes with a different anointing. He comes with an anointing of grace. And and what we see in his ministry, it's like the the power of the Holy Spirit. It it gives us a picture of the work of the Holy Spirit. When Elijah uh, went up in a chariot, last week I said there are two people in the Bible that did not die. One of them was Enoch and the second one was Elijah. Elijah went up in a chariot into heaven. As he is going up, he took his mantle, and that mantle represents his giftedness, his anointing. He threw it down, and it, it landed with Elisha. So what we see in Elisha's story is God multiplied the anointing from uh, his predecessor, from Elijah, and placed it on him. And, and we see through Elisha, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting, in the very first uh, a miracle that elisha performed it was about multiplying the oil and oil is a symbol of the holy spirit now wow that's a lot isn't it a lot of uh, history there and uh let's dive in and say okay where do we fit in that story we're going to focus on today's reading is is second kings chapter six very interesting story so let's just jump right in uh, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1 says, The company of the prophets said to Elisha, Look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Now, let's press pause here. The company of the prophets. Now, what's up with that? The company of the prophets is really a school. It was a seminary. So Elisha had a seminary where he would, tra- he would train young ministers to do the work uh, of God in the community. So they're saying, Elisha, This building is too small. The the school has grown so much that we are out of space. And so the company of the prophets said, hey, look, it's just too small. Let us go down to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole and let us build a place for us to live. And he said, go. So he's saying, look, we need dormitory space. And so he is sending these young guys down uh, with axes to cut down trees. It's not like they could go to Home Depot. It's not like they could buy the lumber. So they're going to cut down the trees and they're going to take those beams and they're going to build the dormitory for these young college students. Okay, next verse. Then one of them said, won't you please, won't you come on down here with us, Elisha? So he said, okay, I'm going to do that. Verse 4, and he went with them, and they went to the Jordan. They began to cut down the trees. So as one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head, that's the point, the iron axe head fell into the water. He cried out, oh, Lord, oh, help me. It was a borrowed axe head. Okay, next verse. The man of God asked, well, where did it fall? And when he showed it to him in the place, Elisha cut down a stick. He threw it over there. He made the iron float. He said, lift it out. And then the man reached out his hand and he took it. Now, I love the King James Version. Most of us don't read the King James Version anymore. Uh, But it said that axe head, that iron did swim. Just vibrate. I, I can imagine that you see uh, this axe head that had gone over, not this one, but an axe head similar, had gone over into the river. And the guy cried out and, and Elisha took that uh, stick. Can you imagine it just floating to the top of the water? And then the old uh, uh, King James said it swam over. I don't believe Elisha had to get one toe wet. I believe it swam and he just picked it right up. Uh, And so we look at this story and we scratch our head and said, really, this is in the Bible. This is I mean, most of the time you see miracles take place in the Bible. It's about helping somebody hear or helping somebody to see or helping a lame person walk. You see miracles like that or a dead person to come to life. But here we see an axe head swimming like really like what does this mean to us? I would imagine God is using this story uh, to not to speak to the people the young seminary students but also to speak to us in the seminary students mind there's a temptation uh, to do the work of the Lord as if it's just a history lesson that we present so you hear me speak and you said oh yeah he's talking about that that book that was written hundreds and even thousands of years ago and you clock into class mode and you're thinking that you're receiving this information, and it becomes all head knowledge. There is a part of this that we need intellectual knowledge to know the Word of God. But there's also a part where this head knowledge goes into our hearts and we experience the presence of the Lord. I think that this miracle took place so those young seminary students could see a miracle right in front of them. And know that God was more than just a bunch of laws and just a bunch of oral tradition and history. But God was living and active in uh, his Words affect their lives right where they lived. And so when, when God was, uh, when Elisha threw that stick over there and that, that axe had started to swim over there, he was giving a lesson to those students. And the lesson was simply this, God's at work. God's at work. Around us. Here's our point. God is always at work around you, even though you may not realize it. I want you to hear that. God is always at work around you, even though you may not realize it. I want you to look at the circumstances that may have been developing in your life over the past week, maybe the past two or three weeks. Do you see God at work in your life? You know, so many times God is at work in our lives and we don't even recognize it. Here's an example. Let's say you go to Publix or you go to Kroger and you run into somebody. So you, you see them. You hadn't seen this person in a long time. Then the next day you're at Patriots Park. You hadn't seen this person in a year and now you run into them at Patriots Park. And then five or six days later, you're at the mall and you run into them there. And so many times we say, man, that's a weird coincidence. And it may be, but could it be that God is working behind the scenes in your life to give you an opportunity to make a difference in somebody else's life? Could it be that it was not just a weird happenstance, but God ordered your footsteps because you are to connect with that person? I think God is working behind the scenes in your life. And what some of you are calling A circumstance or a happenstance is really the hand of God ordering your footsteps to lead you on the path that he has for you. So many times we look for God in the miraculous and we think about God's power and we think about him uh, parting the Red Sea and we think about him um, placing the, uh, uh, the rainbow in the sky and so forth. I want you to understand that God is at work in your life. And it may not be in the dramatic. It may not be in the extraordinary. But it may be in the simple things of your day-to-day life. And God is working, for this point, God is working to get your attention. God is working to get your attention. God wants a relationship with you. And he's trying to pull you in. He's trying to get you to open your eyes and to see his activity. He's pursuing you. And so many times we ignore his pursuits. And we think that God is only interested in, in world peace or maybe God's only interested in the AIDS pandemic or something of that. Then we forget that God is living and active and he is interested in our lives even today. And he is there for us. Did you hear about the the lady that was surprised by a burglar in her house? And she heard the burglar down there and she didn't have any weapons in the house and she really didn't know what to do. And so she screamed out a scripture at him and said, Acts 238! That burglar froze right there. She called the police. The police came over and arrested him and she told him the story. And the police got him in the said... We want to hear your side of the story. Why did you freeze right there when she gave out a scripture? said, scripture? She didn't give out a scripture. She said she had an axe in 238s. <laughs> go back to the story. Those seminary students were doing manual labor. They were down, down there building a dormitory. They were, they were taking their axes and they were chopping down trees. And that one student cut that uh, hit that tree, and this axe head went flying over into the river now we don't know why it flew off; it could have been very practical reasons, maybe he just didn't attach it well enough. We know it was borrowed, and it, it apparently wasn't attached well enough, or maybe it was so dull that when he he this blade hit the tree, and it was so dull that it gave such a uh, a hit that it went the other way. We don't know, but we do know this: that this story is a picture of the Holy Spirit. Elisha's ministry is a picture of the Holy Spirit. So, if Elisha's ministry is a picture of the Holy Spirit, what does the Holy Spirit have to say? Uh, what is this saying to us? Here's what it's saying. That in that young seminary student's hand was an axe. It was a tool. It was a tool to do what he was called to do. He was uh, called to help strengthen the ministry there. And part of strengthening the ministry there is to build a dormitory for the college students. As he's building it, his tool was lost. This tool. Think about it, in light of the Holy Spirit, here's the second point. God gives every believer a spiritual gift. Our gift is a tool given to us so that we can help advance the cause of Christ. You, in your life, as a believer, you have been given gifts, spiritual gifts. These are tools that God uses inside of you to advance the cause of Christ. So, what kind of tools do you have? What has God gifted you? Have you ever thought about that? Do you realize that you, you have a spiritual gift. God has a purpose and God has a plan for your life. What are you doing with your tools? What are you doing with those gifts? And some of you say, Marty, I've never heard of that before. Well, then your next step would simply be to discover the gifts God has placed inside of you. To look at your natural talents and look at your natural abilities but also consider there are spiritual gifts, divine enablements that the Holy Spirit gives you the strength to do that you could not do if you were trying to do this on your own. But when he comes and he touches you and another word uh, for that would be anoints you, he anoints you with that strength and that power, you're able to do it more effectively and more efficiently. And people watch you do that and they're kind of amazed that you can do that. You have gifts. You have tools. But we have a responsibility with those. We have to discover them, but we also have to sharpen them. In Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 10, it says, If the axe is dull and its edge is unsharpened, more strength is needed. But skill will bring success skill will bring success if your axe is dull it's going to take you a lot longer to get the job done but if you have skill and you've sharpened your axe then you are going to be more effective in what you do so what are you doing to develop your skills i was called to preach when i was 14 years old actually a few weeks before I was 14. I started preaching when I was in high school. Now, let me say, today's message is much different than the message I first preached at the Abbeville Church of God uh, back in, yeah, a long time ago, like 1977. Um, it, it much different. I remember it, it was very short. I think I had three points. You need to be saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. That was just a, and then a few words in between, and that's it. Uh, you know, it's much different now because I've taken the time to study and to prepare myself to sharpen my skills and to work toward it. I'll never forget when we first started the church, we had a senior, an elderly lady named Mary McTeer. And and Mary, um, she was something else. And she died a few years ago. And in the early days, when I would preach a message, she would be waiting for me uh, after when I'd come off the stage. And she'd shake. She said, you know, one day you're going to be a good preacher. But today's not that day. No, she didn't say that. But that's what she said. She said, Oh, one day you're going to be a, a good preacher. And then she would look at me and she said, You know what you need to do? She need to take off next Sunday and you need to go to Atlanta and at Mount Perrin and hear Dr. Paul L. Walker preach. Now, he's a good preacher. And um, so she would tell me that over and over. It's always funny to me because... Uh, Mary always put Dr. Walker's middle initial in there. You know, didn't call him Pastor Walker or Dr. Walker, but Dr. Paul L. Walker. And um, she said, now, he's a good preacher. You need to go listen to it. And you need to do it like he does it. Uh, And he is an awesome preacher. And uh, I would love to do it like he does it. Um, But she would uh, come and say that. And I I laughed. But, you know, through the years, it's reminded me that it doesn't matter how old you are. You've got to stay sharp. You've got to sharpen your gifts. You've got to sharpen your skills. It doesn't matter your age. You've got to always work at sharpening your gifts and sharpening your skills. What are you doing to do that now? What have you done to sharpen your skills, to sharpen your gifts, and truly be the person God has created you to be? You've got a responsibility to do this. And I just want you to understand that God has called you to be a leader. And a leader is a person of influence. And when I look at this audience today, I know that this room is filled with leaders And I know this, every leader needs to be a learner. Every leader must be a learner. And you've got to look at your gifts and your talents and your your abilities and do what you can to do to sharpen those skills so that you can accomplish the mission God's called you to do. Here's the third point. God is looking for people who are prepared, people who are taking steps to grow. God is looking for people who are prepared, people who are taking steps to grow, and for people who are serious about fulfilling their destiny. God is looking for people who are prepared, who are taking those steps, and you're committed to fulfilling your destiny. Think about this. Think about the, the life of David in the Old Testament. David was a young man in the Old Testament. He started off as a shepherd now, in our world, that would be an entry-level position. That would be a minimum wage type of position. Now, David is there out there without any friends, working in the fields, taking care of the sheep. It would be very easy for him to say, "Man, this job is so boring. This is and be lazy and do nothing about it." He said, "All oh, my brothers, they've got it made. They they have prestigious jobs. They're in the military." But I'm stuck over here in this pasture watching these dumb sheep. That's not what he did. But he excelled in taking care of his sheep. But not only that, while he was out there, he sharpened his skills. He discovered that he had a knack or ability with a slingshot. And that he would take that sling and that stone and he would work and he'd work and work until he could hit a target. At great distances away. He sharpened those skills. So when a coyote or a wild animal would come up. He could kill them with one stone. He's killed a bear and he's killed a lion. The Bible says. And so when God needed someone. That could hit a giant named Goliath. With one stone. He didn't have to look very far, but he looked over in that pasture of that young David as he's taking care of the sheep. And God pulled him out of that pasture and he gave them the promotion of killing the giant. I believe that God is looking for people today to promote. God is looking for people to promote. And I would just encourage you to sharpen your skills. Take that gift and and take it out of the closet and really put it to work. I'll never forget when we first started the church, David Cooper came and preached here. And uh, David's a a friend and an incredible communicator. And we were running about 100 people. And and David was pastoring a church in Athens at that time, running about 1,200 people. And David said this to me. He said, Marty... If you want to preach to 1,200 people, then you need to preach to your 100 people as if they are 1,200 people. And that resonated with me. That resonated with me in two ways. First of all, that I need to learn how people who communicate to large crowds... 1200 people, 2000 people, I need to watch them communicate and I need to learn and sharpen my skills so that I can communicate on a broader to a broader audience. But it also challenged me in faith back in those days when he said, I want you to look at that 100 people and preach as if it were 1200 people. So from that day, even to this day, when I look at empty chairs, I will often turn and I'll preach to empty chairs. Why am I preaching to empty chairs? Because in my mind, I see those chairs filled up. In my mind, I see this whole section filled up at noon. In my mind, I believe this auditorium is going to overflow at noon. Why? Because I am calling those things that be not as though they have already been uh, established and come to pass. It is calling out in faith. You may not see your promotion. You may not see your victory. But you call those things that be not as though they are. You call it into fruition. And I believe that God is going to touch you and God is going to promote you from the place you are right now. Amen. Here's the point God looks for people who are faithful with what He has given them. You be faithful in the small things, and God will make you ruler over many things. God is a God of promotion. And I believe that God has promotion in your future. But we've got to be faithful to do what he's called us to do. Now, that promotion may not be a corner office. That promotion may not be a a title that he gives. God has a way of promoting people uh, that is different than the world's way. And God is going to give you a place for you to be a person of influence and a, a person of uh, insight and of power in His power. And your boss may or may not recognize it. But you put your trust in the Lord because your promotion will not come from the East or the West, but it'll come from the Lord. Trust Him in that. Be faithful. Now, remember, Elisha's ministry was a picture of the Holy Spirit. So we know that our gifts, our tools, are gifts of the Holy Spirit. In this story, 2 Kings chapter 6, this young seminary student was using his tool, his gift, and what happened? He lost it. He lost his gift. There have been people that I believe have lost their gift. They've lost their anointing. They've lost God's presence. They have a form of godliness, but they have denied the power of God. In other words, they are chopping away with their acts... And their ax is dull because it has not been sharpened by the word of God. And so as they're chopping away, they're using the arm of the flesh. Because they lose, excuse me, they, they they're chopping away. They begin by using the arm of the spirit, then they lose their axe head over in the river, and they keep chopping. They keep hitting. It looks like they're uh, um, it looks like nothing has changed, and they just keep hitting and hitting and doing the same things they've always done, but now they're not accomplishing what they've done in the past because they've lost the power of God. They've lost their anointing. I've seen too many people who start out strong. They start out in God's word. They start out with God's power. And then somewhere along the way, they lose their axe head. They lose their anointing. They lose that energy that brings them into being. But they don't want to admit they've lost the power. They don't want to admit they've lost the anointing. And so they just keep swinging and they keep swinging. But they're not making any progress because they're doing it with the arm of the flesh. And they're worn out, and they're tired, and they're stressed out because they're doing it with the arm of the flesh. That seminary student lost his anointing. He lost his tool, and he he cried out. He said, Master, he's the last. I've lost it, and it was borrowed. And and, uh, Elisha said, well, where did it fall? He said, it was right over there. When was the last time you remember having the anointing of God on your life? When was the last time that you felt his power as he moved throughout your life? When was the last time that your faith was more than just an intellectual knowledge, but it was a passion on the inside of you that you knew it was real and that you dreamed about uh, being used by God's hand? When was the last time? You've got to go back to the place where you lost it. You've got to go back. I look at some of you and some of you have just lost the joy out of the work that you do. Where did you lose the joy? You hate your jobs. And that could be a couple of different reasons. One is you're in the wrong job. And the reason you hate your job is that you're not gifted to do that. You are happy in your job because you're operating out of your purpose. You're operating out of your giftedness. You're operating out of your strengths. But somewhere along the way, you thought, well, this job over here will give me more money. And so you went over there and took this job over here. Now you're miserable and you're out of sync with who you've been created to be. others they just get in and they never sharpen their their tools and and they end up getting in a place where they live in fear and intimidation and they're threatened by these younger folks that come in that have these new skills because somewhere along the way they just laid down their uh their sharpening tool and and their axe head is dull And they're just coasting to retirement. I don't want you to coast to retirement. I want you to be sharp. Because I believe that when you're sharp and and you work at your skills, that it's going to open the door for God to use you. And it's going to open the door for you to encourage other people along the way. I want you to be the smartest person in the room. I want you to be the best worker at at, uh, your office. I want you to be anointed to do that. I'll tell you, uh, about a year or so ago, uh, maybe a couple of years ago, uh, I went and having jaw problems ended up at an orthodontist. And I, as you know, last fall I was wearing uh, braces, going through uh, middle school again. Um, but that doctor that I, and I didn't know him prior to this moment that I'd been. He was doctor number 13, the 13th one I'd been to to get this thing fixed. But that guy is anointed. I'd come home and, and say, Patty, he is anointed to do that. He's anointed. I could sense the presence of the Lord on him as he did his work. I want that for you in whatever work you have. I want the presence of the Lord to be on you as you uh, audit the books, as you uh, run the store, as you do whatever God's called you to do. But you lost it. So what do you do? Fourth and final one. I want you to retrace your steps. Retrace your steps. And I want you to go back to the last time that you know that God spoke to you about this situation. I want you to retrace your steps. I want you to go back to the last time that you know God spoke to you about this situation. I want you to return to the place where you lost it. Now, to do that, two things have to happen. First of all, you have to admit that you've lost it. You have to do like that young seminary student. Alas, master, I've lost the axe head and it was borrowed. Do you realize that the gifts and talents that you have are not your own, but they have been given to you by the Lord? They've been given to you by your creator and they are borrowed? That God has anointed me to lead this church, but one day that anointing is going to move to someone else because this is borrowed? I I am borrowing this anointing? Because the work of the kingdom is bigger than just one person, and so you have to admit that you've lost it. Then you have to repent. Repentance uh, means that you're turning around. That's all repentance means. It's an about face. You turn around. You confess your sins. You turn around. And you start walking in a new uh, direction. That young seminary student said, The last master, that I lost the axe head. I lost my tool. I lost that gift. It was borrowed and I lost it. He said, where did it fall? And God responded to that man's need. And some of you say, oh, that's not a big deal. It was to him. It was to him because he was a poor college kid. He couldn't afford an axe head... Because uh, he didn't have any money, and um, so he didn't have any money, so he had to borrow it. And so he had this responsibility. It meant a lot to him. And God restored that axe head to this young man. Because he knew that he needed this axe head to do the work. Here's the point. God is here to restore you. God is here to restore you. And some of you have lost your touch. You've lost that anointing. You've lost that opportunity. But I believe we serve a God that that restores. He will restore to you the years the locusts have eaten. God is in the restoration business. And so many times we have this failure. We've made this bad decision. We've gone rogue on this situation over here. And we we just give up. And we just say, it'll never be any better than it is right now. And God says, do not say that. Because God is in the business of taking crucifixions and turning them into resurrections. And yes, you may have failed and you may have blundered and your career may be over. Let me say this. God has the ability to resurrect your career. Promotion is in your future. Put your trust, put your confidence in Him. And He'll see you through. Well, it's time to pray. And as we pray today, I just want you to be open to the presence of the Lord. And let him speak and let him renew and let him bring hope to your life. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. I pray for those that have never made a decision to follow you. And that this is the day they cry out and say, Jesus, save me. God, I pray for those that are backslidden today. And I just pray, God, that you would restore them. To their first love. Jesus, move upon this congregation. I pray for those that are watching online. I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit would be released in you. And this energy, this energy and strength of his spirit would give you the confidence To continue to march forward knowing that you're not going alone. But the presence of the Lord is going before you and he is your rear guard. So look up. Your redemption, your hope is drawing nigh. I speak life over you. I speak comfort over you. I speak strength over you in the name of Jesus. And Father, we as your people, we receive what you have for us. Just say that. God, I receive what you have for me. And I pray this in the strong name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.